I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Melissa Taylor is a former teacher and literacy trainer with a master's in education, as well as a mother of two, a blogger, a children's book expert, and freelance writer. And let me insert here, she is indeed an expert. She created and writes the highly popular award-winning blog, Imagination Soup. In addition, Melissa also freelances for other publications, such as Adobe Education, Brightly, and Parenting.com. Here is my conversation with Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Julie. I'm so happy to meet you. Thanks for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me to be on your wonderful podcast. I am enjoying it so much. Oh, that makes me happy to hear. Thank you. I'm having so much fun talking to people. Who knew I had so many words? Right. Well, I, lo- <laughs> I love that it's all librarians are. So I'll just tell you briefly is that I have a library card collection. <laughs> so I am such a big fan of libraries that I have all the districts in our area. Isn't that ridiculous? I am so impressed. <laughs> that is not at all ridiculous. That is enthusiasm at its best. And I will admit that I got my kids' library cards too early because I maxed out my own. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So it's not because they, and they really should have their own library cards, right? Of course. But that wasn't the original intent. I would just call that an ancillary benefit that is definitely meant to be yours for shepherding the children on their reading journey. I Amen, think that's sister. totally fair. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> well, as we get started, I would love to hear, what was your, tell me about your first teenage job. Was it reading related? Oh, no. It was Target. I was a Target cashier. And it was because I had, it was one of the only places that would hire me. I had a half shaved head. I thought it was very like punk, Robert Smith of the Cure, kind of looking a little bit purple. And at the time, that was the only place that would hire me. I am just sitting here with my mouth open. I wish people could see. I cannot picture you with half shaved head. This is a nod to the changes that we go through in our lives. Yes. Also, I accidentally tried to cut it myself. So a lot of it had to go bald because I I guess that's not a good idea as I learned the hard way. (laughs) I saw something recently that said, I'm a hairdresser. I've worked on you for 10 years. Yes. I know when you cut your own bangs kind of thing, (laughs) right? Yeah. We all think, oh, sure. I can do this. It's Mm -hmm. easy. Well, so Target, was that a joyful, wonderful job for you? I loved it. Yeah. I was because surpri- I'm an introvert. It surprised me that I just had fun time with my customers. And back in those days, we didn't have scanners. So we had to type in the numbers for everything. And I would try to make it like a competition with how fast I could be against myself. Of course. I thought it was a blast. That is a really fascinating thing. I never thought about the fact that you're right as an 
introvert, I wonder if that was a good, just happy way to interact with people because it has a discreet beginning, middle, end, and then they go away. Yes, <laughs> I think so. I remember thinking, oh, even on my grumpy days, if I smile at a customer, it actually makes me a little bit happier. Oh, hmm. yeah. Life lessons as yeah. a as a young target employee. I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna reach out to them and make sure they exactly. know that this is happening. <laughs> I'm devoted. <laughs> well, who doesn't love Target? I mean, they have everything you need, right? They do. It's a magical place, and then some. Okay, so introvert with different hairstyle at Target, and then how did your life's path get you to teaching? Because that was really where was that a lot of where your I guess the origins are for Imagination Soup today. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I was a teacher and a literacy trainer for about a decade. I thought that I, I couldn't do both very well. So I stayed home with my kids and, and you know, tutored. I taught Spanish classes. I Then I started these writing workshops out of my home. So kids could, there's just mostly for my own kids. So they would like writing and I wanted to have them to have a workshop approach. And I was in an entrepreneur group who said, you should start a blog. This is about 13 years ago. You should okay. start a blog. It's a new thing. And I thought, oh, okay. So I did. <laughs> and it was supposedly going to promote my writing workshop classes and then sort of became a, what a teacher does at home with her kids. And I was writing freelancing at the time. I did a a strengths finder inventory. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yes. Gallop. Yeah. And I found out that I liked, I was curious. I think this is why I was a good teacher, very curious. And the intellectual part surprised me, but I think that kind of led me to the path of, I want to be a writer now in my second, third phase of life. And also it would be really great if I could get paid for reading. So those are sort of my goals that I set for myself. <laughs> so I was freelancing while I was teaching these writing workshops and parenting, and I was in my editor's, I worked for Colorado Parent Magazine quite a bit, and I was in her office, and she had these stacks of children's books everywhere. And I said to her, hello, um, do you know that I'm obsessed with all things children's books? And would you like me to take those off your hands? So I started a blog for them, a book blog, and then sort of incorporated it for my own, in my own blog on Imagination Soup little by little, ended up freelancing for Random House. And, and I actually had a blog for a parenting magazine before they got bought by parents. And then I think that just sort of led to my kids are now teenagers. I'm not doing kids activities. And now it's mostly a book review blog with picture books, chapter books and middle grade book, graphic novels and nonfiction. Can't forget that. But nothing over YA. I just couldn't keep up. I don't know how you'd be able to, especially with the explosion in middle grade over the last few years, I, at least from my perspective, just the way that that category has grown. Yes. And I can imagine that it would be completely overwhelming. I also love what you said when you were describing what you were doing in your early years and you included parenting. I always forget to put that on the list of not necessarily jobs, but just the things that fill our time. It's so, mm -hmm. what a gift to, to still have that perspective, especially for people who are in the throes of it with young mothering. It can be so intense just with yeah. the schedule and the things you get done. So I love that you included that. It's, it's a good reminder. <sighs> I found your blog. What I think is great, just so my listeners know, is that I had used your blog a couple of years ago and then started regularly using it 
for some of my library curation because it's so well organized. Your site is easy to access, easy to navigate, and your reviews are always spot on. You do a wonderful job at what you do. And so it was so fun for me when we got connected that I finally put that together and I thought, oh my goodness. And I opened up one of my files and there was a printout from your website. So it felt meant to be. It's serendipity. I'm so glad. And I think it's, you are precisely where you are meant to be right now looking at kind of the way that you got there. And I love that we also have a Colorado connection. Are you from Colorado? I'm not. I'm from Washington state. I moved here in high school. Oh, okay. Well, I also lived in Seattle for a number of years, so okay. clearly things are lining up for us. I know. I love it. So I love it. As so now tell me, you know, you do a lot of reviewing books. What's your process for reviewing them? So I get books of three different ways. I get them sent to me. Some days I'll get one. Some days I'll get 20. I also go to the library every week or so, which is ridiculous also because I'm like, do I not? (laughs) But I don't have the precise books that I might want. And then there's the reviewer sites, NetGalley and Edelweiss. But so those are the way I get the books. Sometimes authors, especially now with the COVID stuff, the pandemic stuff, they only send me PDFs, which is a challenge for me to organize. And I hate reading them on, you know, my computer, yes. but that's another way that I get books too. Okay. Yeah. So and, you- and so that's, so once I get them, I, I kind of pile them up to batch. So I'll do a batch review for, I read a hundred picture books, usually a month, and I will put them in a yes or a no pile, makes notes on the yes pile. I feel like there's a, do you, do you hear, are you hearing this weird noises? I don't think so. What are you hearing? A low, like dull roar. I hope you can edit this out. Is is it fine? It's gone now. Okay. Okay. So sorry. It'll be fine. Don't be sorry. You're okay. No worries. (laughs) I love a dull roar. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it's gone now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I think we should leave this in. I think this is is real life podcast moments right here. We've had five months of them redoing our water pipes out front and oh. my blinds are closed so I can't see if they're there and they make so much noise. <laughs> I, I feel, would feel terrible. So I got the dogs at doggy daycare, but there's no help help for that. This is true commitment and don't worry, I will send you a picture after this of the place I'm recording and there are quilts on a laundry rack. So this is, we are making do with what we got, my friend. Continue. Okay, so you've got your yes pile. So I've got my yes pile no, and my and no, no pile. pile. Yeah, okay. and I'm trying to get better about increasing the no pile because sometimes I'll end up with a February books and it's, you know, 40 books and it's a lot to review. And also then I end up making a table of contents because just to help people stay organized. So I I don't want to read about that or I want to read about this. Then I will write the notes I have if I can read my handwriting, which sometimes I can't. And I probably need handwriting (laughs) sheets also on an aside is that I, I don't write anymore. So I sometimes just forget letters and I don't remember how to make them. It's amazing. I actually get concerned about that sometimes with my kids. I look at them and I'm like, are you going to know how to write at all anymore? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's happening to me so I can totally relate. I might get my handwriting without tears books back out. Oh, well, I think the the kindergartner in you would be really happy to see those again (laughs) with the little lines. And then you can give yourself a star. I'll send you a sticker sheet. 
that would be so great. I need some reinforcement because I'd never have focused on it. When I first started teaching, my I, I team taught with another teacher who was older than me quite by quite a lot, about to retire. And she was horrified at my handwriting. And she said in a very snooty voice that in her day, they actually had to take handwriting before they got a teacher certificate. And, and mine was illegible, which she was right. It was. Also, I, right. I didn't seem to care enough to devote the attention to that. <laughs> so anyway, bad handwriting. That is, uh, you know, I think it's actually a sign of creativity. I feel like I've read that somewhere that, that there have been a lot of bad handwriters through history. So maybe you can start a club. Okay. That sounds great. Thank <laughs> I you. I have read that somewhere. I'm going to look at, I'll, I'll look it up. The librarian in me is going to do some research I love later it. and we are going to figure this out. I okay. So if that. you can read your own writing, then you go back through your yes pile. Correct. Write them into sentences that make sense. And that goal is to take, make two or three sentences that summarizes the book as well as give some sort of critique. How do you decide what to put in this summary? Because I am terrible at that because I feel like I'm going to reveal too much. I'm just, I just want to shove books at people and be like, just read this because I told you to. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So how do you decide what to include? Have you gotten better at it over the years? Do you think? I think I'm, I'm worse. (laughs) I think I look at some of my reviews for middle grade books and I'm like, I don't think people want to read 10 sentences about that, but it's sort of like, I really love all to tell them everything. I usually, when I'm putting it more in my evergreen list, like yes. books for nine-year-olds, I will try to make it a little shorter. Okay. But when I do my initial reviews, like these are the top middle grade books for March, then I am letting myself be a little bit more verbose, which probably no one reads. So I do bold, like the general gist of it so that they can skim. I feel okay. like that that's helping my readers. And then I star my favorites. Okay. I am not book list or you know, school library journal, but that's just how I do it. So people can kind of quickly discern. That's perfect. And and it's easier with picture books, you know, and that, and, and that, that respect. I think there are times when I want to include a book that I don't love, maybe because I'm friends with the author and I just maybe don't gush as much about it. I don't say anything that's not, that's out of integrity. Of Most course. of the time I just, I don't write negative reviews. I just skip reviewing the book at all. So that seems like, you know, bad karma. Well, and I respect that because now just dipping my toe into the publishing side of things, I think it's easy to take for granted how much time, effort, blood, sweat, tears process goes into even a picture book and especially picture books in some ways because they have the added element of illustration, but you really are holding very often someone's life work. So yes, yes, if it's not for you, sort of Mm -hmm. allowing it to fly to someone else and it might be for them, Mm -hmm. I'm a total supporter of that. I I think that's a very gracious way to handle it and honor the people who are taking the risk of publishing something and putting it out there because it is... It's yeah. a tremendous Human amount beings of work yes. behind the books. They really do yes. have feelings and it's, I need to be very careful about that. And also there are some books it, I've debated about this because there are occasionally times when I want to warn parents or I, librarians and teachers against a book. And I, I don't know how to handle that. I have mm. not done it, but there are times when I just thought, well, just write me and I'll tell you the scoop that you do. This is, you know this and that. And, and if yes. there is a book that I, I review that has language, I usually just make a note. Okay. Just for sensitive readers, because I don't, I know parents don't want to be surprised. Librarians might not want to be surprised. So yes. that can be, yeah. That's such a good 
reminder, you're exactly right, because I think we have some titles in our library, right, where it's more necessary, especially in a school library, to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're putting the right books in the right hands. And it's that balance, right? We don't want to censor anything, but also we want to make sure we're setting up the kids and the families for success. And you're exactly right. It's removing that element of surprise when you're child rolls in and says, what does this word mean? And you think, I did not want to have this conversation today. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, and every family gets to decide what's right for them. And certainly yes. the teacher's reading it out loud and they haven't previewed the book. <laughs> We've all yep. done it once. And oh, then, we have. then you learn. <laughs> I remember the Vickers of Nibbleswick, I think it was, rolled all when it was park backwards. And I, li- anyway, it was <laughs> funny. And also... You know, also one that will lesson. (laughs) As uh, my son's second grade teacher used to say, Mrs. Russell, mistakes help you improve. One of those they do. Wow, I will carry that feeling with me for a while. Yeah, (laughs) guest readers were another one that I learned. I needed to preview the book. Oh Oh, yes. Oh, I love learning that the hard way, mm, especially because. If you're reading it, at least you could maybe skip phrases or pages since you're kind of reading ahead. But yeah, a guest reader situation could really be like a a little hostage crisis where you're thinking, oh, no, I can't get you out. Yeah. (laughs) My students this one time, they were looking at me just panic stricken. (laughs) I was panicking too. Like, what do I do? Anyway. That's amazing. When they have the big eyes, you're like, oh, we're going down, everybody. This is what's happening. Yeah. Anyway. I, I love hearing about how you do what you do. So that's a lot of input for you to manage. It is. I didn't grow up with a television. So my way of coping with my life, and that's all we had to do anyway, was read. So I do read fast. Okay. Sometimes I struggle with slowing down on those books that you really just need to savor a little more. Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself, (laughs) it's not all dialogue. You're not trying to get the gist of it and get to the end. But yeah, I do. And I I love reading. So it works out because I want to match kids with books and I want to help parents, teachers, and librarians save time. So it's, it's my, it's my best. I can't even believe I have this job. Well, you are, it's definitely suited to your gifts and I know you've saved me time. So it's already a win. I love what you do. Yes. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you have the review process. What are your favorite genres to read? Let's talk, I mean, let's say middle grade. Like what do you enjoy reading the most? 100% fantasy. Okay. Yeah. It's because it, realistic fiction and I love, there's so many wonderful 
rich. Sometimes I just want an escape from reality. And certainly you have the, the character arcs and the, the growth and all of the things that, that are relatable and emotional. But it's just nice to have dragons and unicorns sometimes. I couldn't agree more. It's true. Especially in our current times, right? An mm-hmm. escape can be such a gift. Yeah. And I think that's why I really feel like it's so important for us as adults to be readers, because then we can have that empathy for our young readers too. I was just in a huge reading slump and I was sharing with my, my audience that I, there's nothing that looked good to me other than like kind of fluffy romance, Mm. which is a new genre for me when I was having a lot of brain fog. And it just, what, I want to make sure we're extending that graciousness to our young readers also, that sometimes they just need the things that they've read before to reread them three times or the things that are really easy. And yeah, they've already read that whole entire series. And I remember when my daughters were reading the Rainbow Fairy books and and they would still, it's the same exact, I love the predictability, but sometimes that's comforting, right? And, And it's too easy and it's, it's a trope and it's comforting and it's okay as long as they don't stay there all year. Right. Yes. Yeah. I tell my kids at the library or my students that, you know, it's, it's fine to have a variety. It's great to reread and read what you know you love as long as you're trying something else once in a while, because you're right. You don't want them to be stuck there. But at the same time, we do want to develop them as readers who know what they like. So allowing them to have some agency there, but you're right. I like the idea of that being a gracious way to help them. And I like what you mentioned about it's important for adults to be readers. Do you want to say more about that? Well, I love, first of all, having an excuse to read. So I'm like, I'm being a role model and sorry, I can't clean the house right now or (laughs) cook dinner because of being a reading role model. But also it shows them that I really value getting lost in a story. And then that I, as a reader, interact with a story. It changes the way I think about things. It sparks conversation. It makes me also just a different person after reading a a good book. So it's showing them a lot of things as well as, as if I'm reading a book that they're reading or read it together. It's just such a good model for so many different aspects of a readerly life. Yes. Yeah. That we can be transformed by stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, Correct. That's truer yeah. words were never spoken. So what are you loving right now or what's coming up? Do you have a few recommendations that you want to give before we move on? Since we're... I was trying to read the books that were coming out in April and I love it. I wrote them down. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Okay, A duet for home by Karina Yan Glazer. So she wrote the, the Vanderbeekers, which you probably remember as just incredible. Don't you? Yes. This is similar in the sense that you will love everything about it. And she's because she's so gifted at creating three-dimensional characters with, with really amazing arcs. So this story is set in a New York city homeless shelter. And it's about this um, crazy independent girl who doesn't want to be independent, but she has her mom who stopped talking and her little sister. And it sort of shows us what happens when the adults stop being responsible for parenting and maybe just aren't able to to do it and what and these kids problem solving their own life and taking care of things and finding home and community wherever they're at and mm. it's just and plus she throws in music and 
dogs and it's just lovely. And there's a little activism in there. So that is one of my new favorites for April. There, there's another book I really like called Shinji Takahashi and the Mark of the Kuatal. It's by Julie Kagawa, and she's born. I knew her from her young adult books. Okay. So I don't know if this is her first middle grade. I'm trying to think. It might have been one about a dragon. But it's a really interesting adventure of, with science and magic and exploration and corporation. And it would be like one of those. It's a zippy, action-packed book. It would be a really good movie. Mm. You know, yes. one of those kind of books. So completely different than Karina's book, but also in, super enjoyable. I think the variety, those both sound amazing, by the way, and the variety in middle grade, I'm really liking, and I don't know if you feel this way as well, but when you were describing that first book, the the way that they're tackling, that some of these authors are tackling very adult topics, but they do it with such a gentle touch that it's yes. just right for the kids. It's just right. So Yeah, because didactic books... Yes. Don't work. No. They're insulting to all of us. Yes. Yeah. So they, they need the space in between for the reader to figure this out, to, to ha- make their own conclusions and inferences. And, and yes, exactly. That's really the sign of a good book, isn't it? Yes. You're exactly right. The space in there. And that has been something that feels in some ways different from adult literature to me because it feels like there's more space in some of those children's books because we do want to leave them room to, like you said, make inferences and understand. And it gives them, I think, that feeling too of being part of the story a little bit more because they're so invested. Yes. Oh, I love it. Those sound great. I will be writing those down and I'll be linking all these in my show notes and including your website so that people can find all the things just so people don't have to run for a pen because I know I never have a pen. I know. So one thing I did want to ask you also, you also do a lot of instruction around writing and you were saying that you started with writer's workshops with your own girls. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is the best way for kids to use books to inform their writing? Because I know that there's often a push in elementary, late elementary to middle school. We do want them to become writers, not because we want everybody to be an author, but because communication is so key. And exactly. being able to be a person who can do that is mm-hmm. going to be useful no matter where they land. So yeah. what do you think the best way is to use books to inform that? Well, I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> I'm passionate about this. Even, and I, I think it also ties into if you can be a writer yourself, just like being a reader yourself, you could start to sort of think through, be metacognitive about what's working. I'm reading this article in Outside Magazine and just thinking this is so well written so yes. that we can use in text to be instructional in ways that when we help kids label what's working, what's specifically working the word choice, the sensory images, even in reading, we can say like, we can label that we're asking questions and it's informing our predictions. So anytime Mm -hmm. we can use books in that way where we're labeling what they're doing so they can do it again (laughs) and, and studying the craft of writing in particular, 
it really is so powerful because kids then suddenly it's not this nebulous, be a good writer and hope for the best. You know, what does that even mean? <laughs> well, here's what it specifically means, you know, in, in these ways. Just the idea of changing up your sentence length can improve your writing. Let's look at how you can take any book off your shelf. That's good. And let's look for that and, and find that in this picture book or middle grade book, chapter book. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's the difference between saying be a good writer and be an effective writer, right? That you can actually have tools that yes, that make that, because good feels very, well, what does that mean? What does that it, look like exactly. as you write that drill down? So do you have a few favorite texts that, like if I'm a parent and I'm at home with my, let's say picture book, I'm at home with my kids and mm-hmm. I want to point out word choice and a few things to them. Do you have a few books that you love for that? Well, I have some go-to books there, but I, I was just thinking there's one, John Shishka's memoir, Knucklehead, is incredibly written. I love using it. I will say that adults need to be aware that sometimes there's some potty humor. It, you might want to preview it. But that being said, it is ex- ex- exceptional, particularly when we're starting kids with writing about what they know, which is their yes. own lives. So that's one of my go-tos for sure. That's an excellent choice. And if I'm remembering correctly, the first story in that book is about them opting not to use the restroom in their house and instead the radiator in their basement. Radiator, yeah. Some steaming. Yeah. (laughs) It's very descriptive. (laughs) If you don't mind reading that, then it's, yeah, you can look at the craft of writing. And it's so funny. And also, sometimes... I may have done this once or twice myself. With certain reluctant writers, potty humor can be a good way into building rapport. I'm just saying. Or not, depends on your audience. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to say it, though, because you are. You're building rapport with them and meeting them where they are, right? Which is why yeah, sometimes exactly. when I talk to my teenage boys, I think, I am becoming a teenage boy. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it won't last this forever. But yeah. <laughs> There, it'll be a great essay because <laughs> you can just mine that the heck right oh, out of that. Right, it's then, so true. Oh, the just the it's just the destruction of civilization in miniature in our house. <laughs> <laughs> I like that title. I'm gonna write it down for you so you can use it later. Oh, that's perfect because I'll forget it. But make sure to write it clearly so that you can read yeah. it later. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe just block print, scrawl it. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. I have one sort of random question for you, or not random, it's part of your life story. But when I was researching a little bit about you personally, I was reading about your mold experience. That is, are you past that? And I'll link to that for people, maybe Mm -hmm. give a quick, if you want to give me a short, just synopsis of what happened there. That is, because I think the way that you're bringing awareness to just these things that we don't always know is so important. Thank you. I hope I can write more about it now that some time has passed a little bit because it's hard, right? When you're trying to write about hard stuff and you're too close to it, no matter how much therapy. So about- In there. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk later. About 10 years ago, I got what I thought was Epstein-Barr that wouldn't go away. I did have Epstein-Barr, but it never went away. Like it's supposed to be, you know, like mono three, four months. Right. 
And my kids were also sick and I was so fatigued. Uh, I could hardly walk up. I would say walking up the stairs for once a day. I couldn't read a nonfiction book. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take, I couldn't even comprehend the book. Mm. My kids were very sick. My youngest daughter had seizures. She had C. diff three times. So many gut infections. My oldest daughter had so much joint pain. I had fibromyalgia that she would crawl places. They both oh. almost took medical leaves and it was kind of ebb and flow. Sometimes I'd think, oh, I think I'm getting a little better. It's going to be fine. And it wouldn't get better. Come back. We didn't know. It took us about 14 doctors to find that it was mold in our house. And it took four remediations to get it all out, which took over a year and a half. So I am finally this year feeling like I'm really close. I'm not quite there yet, but I am so much better. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. But what a painful journey just hearing you say that you weren't able to read a book and take it. I'm sure that was just so much. So you're right. I'm sure that writing about that is just tremendously emotional. Well, I'm and sorry when it, you in your kids, you watch your kid. I think maybe oh. for only me watching my kids go through it was challenging. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you. I hope yeah. it will be. I'm glad that there's an ending as much as is possible yeah. to that part of their story and yours. Thank but you. I am, I'm so glad, you know, earlier we said it being transformed by stories and we read books for that. And that's, such an important way that we believe in it, but also I think remembering that the stories of the people we know and see, and even the article in the outside magazine, I mean, stories are everywhere. So being transformed by them is, Mm -hmm. is a gift always. So thank you for sharing that one. And I'm glad that you are. Well, Melissa, this, I think I could talk to you all day. I know. I have so much more to talk about. It's so wonderful. Thanks. Well, I think that we will have to have you as a repeat guest and we'll have you recommend some more books and we can talk more about writing too, because I, I think it's such a valuable piece of your work because you're not only, a, there are a lot of book reviews out there. Yours are tight and accurate and helpful, but also you help present ways that parents and teachers and librarians can use these books to springboard the kids to what's next. And that feels like such a gift. So thank you for all that you do for all those stacks of books and for going to the library all the time and just being a junkie. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. My my crack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with me and I will see you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at juliewritesWords, or you can go to my website, juliewritesWords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.